This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Thursday the 22nd of July 2021. And a question that we have been asking ourselves and other people have been asking us, Norman, since pretty much the beginning is what's our way out of COVID and what does this return to so-called normal look like? And I wondered if we could take a look at an example country of maybe what we're not going to do. The UK has been criticised of basically just picking a date and saying this is the date that we lift all restrictions. We're calling it Freedom Day. It happened this week. And in a country where COVID is still running, a lot of people are sort of criticising that and saying that it's happened way too fast. Yeah. And we've got a question from Chris, which goes along those lines. Do you want to talk about that? And You mentioned that question and then we'll Get on to the answer. Yeah, so Chris says, for months now, Dr Norman Swan has been saying that while major vaccines might not stop you from getting COVID, they're going to drastically reduce the possibility of serious illness and death. And Chris is asking, given what we are now seeing in the UK, I wonder if there's any meaningful data available to let us know what percentage of deaths relate to unvaccinated people? Are the vaccines, as you've said so often, Norman, t- turning COVID into the common cold or are the new variants stopping this process? So with Britain, um, it's very hard to find an epidemiologist in the UK who, doesn't, who isn't horrified by the opening up of the, uh, of the British economy and the British system, the abandoning of masks. And the prediction is that within you know, a relatively short space of time, there'll be 200,000 cases a day. And when you've got that number of cases, you've got the two things happen. One is that even with a high level of vaccination, which comes to Chris's question, you've still got half the population who are vulnerable. While they quote figures over 60% fully immunised, that's only of adults. It's not of the whole population. Of the whole population, including children and adolescents, it's about 50%. So 50% of the British population, tens of millions of people, are vulnerable to COVID-19. And it can run right. That's a lot of people with a new variant running as well. So what you're seeing is the beginning of another wave there. Some people are viewing this as cynical, that they're saying, well, let's do what they wanted to do last March. That's March 2020, which is open it up and be a bit like Sweden and just go for this mythical herd immunity via natural infection. But the problem is with that is that as the older groups, we've said this, we're seeing this almost every day now in Coronacast, as the older groups get immunised, younger and younger people get affected by this. And if you've got large enough numbers, that you'll get number, significant numbers of people being sick, as you're seeing in New South Wales at the moment. And before I get to Chris's specific question about vaccination, there is an, a serious issue with variants. We've already seen in 2020 a serious variant coming out of the United Kingdom. This is the alpha variant probably from Kent and probably from somebody who's immunosuppressed. And of course, you've got people who are immunised and partially immunised, and they may spin off new variants as well. So the worry is with that large volume of infection in a highly connected country like Britain, you could get new variants and those new variants spread around the world. Coming to Chris's question, which is a really important one about the percentage of deaths related to unvaccinated people. So what the British data show is... For the level of infection that's going on in Britain at the moment, they've got much lower rates of hospitalisation and much lower rates of death. So on a population level, they have reduced that because 50% of the population are covered by the vaccine. But those numbers are rising and they're rising reasonably rapidly, albeit from a low level. So people are dying. And when you've got 50% of the population vaccinated, you should expect that some people who are getting seriously ill 
and dying will be vaccinated. That's just the way it cuts because the vaccines are not 100% effective. What you've got to actually look at is the rate of death and the rate of death is higher in the unvaccinated population. So there is significant protection. So the, good, the news is good from that point of view, but you wouldn't want to be living in Britain at the moment. What do countries do, though? At some stage, like realistically, we have to return to something a bit like normal life. Should they have just waited longer? It's it's such a tricky one because the UK has had so much pain already so far with the pandemic. They've had both huge numbers of deaths and disease and also huge, hugely um, disruptive lockdowns to their lives. Well, I think they've had, they had the longest lockdown in the world. Yeah. So if not now, then how much longer should they have waited? Well, the reason they had the longest lockdown is that the British government lost control of the of the virus uh, last March or so. They just they weren't testing very much, and they weren't uh, socially distancing very much, and it was out of control when they started lockdown. And so they've they've really been chasing their tail and never really got it under control, which is a tragedy because they could have because they're a series of islands. Yep, it's a political issue, but at the moment, by opening up the way they have, just suddenly without grading it, they're opening it up to major spread and there's, there's going to be another disaster. What can Australia learn from this then? I think we already know that we can't open up until we're up at 80 or 90% immunised. We can't open up like that. We might be able to do a staged opening. You know, we've talked a lot about rapid antigen testing that could be a way of getting people back into the, to the economy and so on. The problem that we've got is actually a bit more invidious and that is what if... New South Wales can't control the pandemic. And at the moment, they're clearly not controlling it. Yesterday, 110 cases, 40 odd, forty uh, in the community spreading, still got a lot of mystery cases. There are signs that the contact tracers are overwhelmed. That's not their fault. It's just the number of cases. It's scary, it's scary in New South Wales because they may not be able to pull it under control. Two days ago, the chief health officer in Victoria said that he wasn't, you know, we have to be prepared for the fact that even at low numbers, they might not be able to get it under control in Victoria. So what do we do? And this is a discussion we need to start having. Do we remain in stage four lockdown until we're suitably immunised? Gladys Berejiklian has been talking about the right number. There's no question about this number. It's north of 80%. Christina Pagel at University College London says 90%. So just take it anywhere between 80 and 90% when we open up. So do we stage, stay at stage four till then? Are there ways of opening up more judiciously? Don't know the answer to that, but it won't take much for this to really go wild in the community. It's not wild in the community. It's, it's being held kind of at stable numbers, but they're high numbers, and it means there's a lot of virus out there in the community. Take your food off the break, it will run riot. It sounds like we're really hamstrung by this Delta variant. On one hand, you go, well, the UK, we're not going to look at that as a model. That's obviously not in line with Australia's expectations of how we live with the virus. But even with our super conservative push for COVID zero, we found ourselves in a position where we can barely control relatively low case numbers as it is. Yeah. When you say relatively low, there's just a limit to what you can do with contact tracing. And the other states that locked down early kind of know that and they they go early because they don't want to risk their contact tracers being overwhelmed you know luckily south australia yesterday went down to one case i think it was 
It is relatively low numbers, but they accumulate day by day and your systems just get stretched and stretched and stretched. You can close the borders, but how long can you just allow nothing to get in and out of New South Wales? So just to put the pressure on contact tracers even more, Lisa's got a question about whether we should be redefining what a close contact is in terms of the Delta variant. She's asking, is the 1.5 metre distance and 15 minutes exposure time applicable? What new distance and time exposure guidelines should we be looking at? To be honest, the 1.5 metre distance rule went out the door a long time ago. To get it at close quarters, somebody coughing in your face does happen but it most often happens by just breathing in the air of somebody else who may be a little bit further away from you, 1.5 metres. The wind or the, the air is going in your direction or it's purely ventilated. In the situation in Amy, Amy Stadium or the MCG, maybe on the, gate, the gates coming in, even though that's outdoors, lots and lots of people crammed together, maybe in the bar area. And the other thing that's changed with the Delta variant, and it does seem to be a genuine change, even though we talk about this all the time, is that it does seem to be spreading faster from when you're infected to when you're transmitted. And I think that they were quoting 29, 30 hours in Victoria. Again, we do this every time with a new variant, but it looks as if it might be real with this one. So we know that lockdowns can be really tough on people's mental health. There's been work that's been done recently to sort of compare the impacts of lockdown with the impacts of the disease itself and whether lockdowns really are the lesser of two evils. So this is research that comes, you know, the lead author is Australian, but there's an international group of researchers to actually see whether lockdown has been associated with greater or lesser harms than actually having the COVID-19 virus going. And this comparison, although it's not easy to do, shows that the lockdown actually is protective in terms of the health of the population compared to having COVID running. And there's similar findings coming out of um, other universities in Australia as well. Yep. And just a continuing thank you to our audience for letting us know how you're going, especially with testing times. We had Scott and Kathleen both saying that they were waiting either 98 hours or four days, depending on how you want to specify times. But either way, it, it feels too long. Um, understand that pathology labs are under the pump, but they're really making the point that it's just an untenable level of waiting at the moment. And um, Luke, thank you for that. And we haven't got back to your comments, which there are lots of about Pfizer vaccine and, and whether it's being wasted or not and how you get extra doses. And we might read out some of those tomorrow. And don't forget, tomorrow, being Friday, is... Quick Fire Friday. See you then. <laughs> 